and this is Finger Lakes Today, presented by DeSanto Propane. I'm Rebecca Swift. And I'm Paul Russo. Today we're learning more about why local child advocates say all children should get free school lunches. Also, Kyle Evans will be joining us in the studio to talk about powerings for high school basketball. But first, the weather, as usual. For that, we have Josh Durso. Hi, Josh. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Morning. Um, it is, if you haven't noticed, it's doing a little bit of rain, freezing when it hits the earth, called freezing rain, that sort of thing. I was going to say, this is, this is chained up weather, if you will. It's a little sneaky, slippery out there this morning. The National Weather Service has issued uh, a couple uh, winter weather advisories. They run through about noon, uh, but don't worry. Nothing too crazy is going to happen if you're at work now. Uh, by the time you leave work, all, all odds are that you will be good to go. It will just be rain. Uh, and then guess what? Remember that sun we saw yesterday? Yes. I, when I was Can't So confirm. as I was driving back home, my, my eyes were getting burned because I hadn't. it feels like I hadn't seen the sun in, what, a month? Um, we're not going to see it again for days and days and days. Uh, you know, Wednesday we've got cloudy high of 40. Thursday, rain and snow becoming all rain, high 39. Friday, snow showers, cloudy. Weekend, cloudy. Womp, womp. Uh, as you can see there on the graphic, uh, it is uh, looking like winter, but a little more, as we've been saying, the trend has been warmer uh, than normal January standards for us, so we will take that. Uh, there is one more chance. I just want to throw it out there. This mixed precipitation thing that we have going on today. Um, there's one more chance for that. It's looking like Thursday. Unknown how much, how little, that sort of thing. But it probably won't be uh, any major. It probably won't be any major weather event. So just live your life, people. Just go <laughs> live your life. Except that we're not going to see the sun for quite a while again. Yeah, but that again, that's you know that it's January, mm. and if you know, think about it this way. Would you rather it was bright and sunny and 15 degrees, or would you rather it was cloudy and warmer than normal or warmer than it should be for the middle of winter? I'll take cloudy and 40 any day of the week. Right? For me. I, I'm on bad. the fence. I oh, can either. I on can't the really, fence? I'm on the fence. Yeah, because I do like the that. sun. It makes me feel happy. Um, I feel like that's the same for most people. Well, but, yeah, yeah. You know, um, moving along to some news, uh, Josh, it looks like a lot of people are without power and have been. Do you know how many people and where are the people that are affected by this and why? So this is interesting. It's not power, but natural gas. So uh, around 600 customers in Schuyler, Steuben, and Yates counties are without natural gas service this morning and will likely be without it for several days. Uh, NYSEG reported the outage late Monday, which they say will require in-person, house-to-house visits to re-energize homes. Uh, residents are being asked to conserve what hot water they have left in their hot water tanks because once it's exhausted, uh, it's gone. Uh, the towns of Barrington, Tyrone, and Wayne are the main communities that have been impacted. These are very rural communities that rely heavily on natural gas service. So the prospect of going uh, days without natural gas to heat your home in January, that's, that's not ideal. That is not ideal. Uh, NYSEG has been pretty, uh, you know, add this to the list of things that NYSEG or parent company Avangrid has have had to deal with over the last uh, two to three months, obviously the high-profile billing issues and, mm -hmm. and whatnot with RG&E customers and NYSEG customers. You had the, the storm, obviously, around Christmas time that knocked out power for a ton of people in western New York and the Finger Lakes. And now this, um, and, and this is interesting because it, there isn't really any clear indication what happened or how we got here. Um, just know that, you know, like I said, around 600 customers uh, in those three counties they have no natural gas to run their heat. So if you have a gas-fired furnace, which most folks do, uh, especially in rural parts of the Finger Lakes, um, you're, you're not heating things up for the next few days. Um, NYSEG, it looks like, is going to be kind of trying to tackle this over the next two to three days. So maybe by the end of the week, everybody is restored. But when NYSEG is telling you up front when the outage first occurs to be prepared to wait days that is not a great sign. No. For sure. Moving along, uh, something, a topic that we've been hearing for years that's been controversial when you speak to healthcare workers yeah. is this vaccine mandate. Um, it looks like a judge struck down 
uh, state judge struck it down. Can you talk about kind of like what that means and how we got here? Yeah, so the, the vaccine mandate for healthcare workers is for all intents and purposes right now dead. So what, what, how did we get here? Uh, the State Department of Health says it is exploring its options after a state judge uh, struck down the mandate requiring healthcare workers to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Uh, the judge wrote in his decision that the health department overstepped their authority by mandating a vaccine that's not included in state public health law. So for now, the mandate is null and void in the judge's words. Uh, big question is, will the health department challenge? That remains to be seen. Uh, how could have this been avoided if lawmakers acted in either of the last two legislative sessions when they could have uh, and effectively baked the vaccine into uh, public health law? Instead, they did not because it is a controversial issue, mm -hmm. uh, even among uh, supermajority, which Democrats have a supermajority in both legislative chambers here in New York State. So even among Democrats, it's a relatively controversial item. Um, some of the, there are some other vaccine mandate related uh, items that this does not touch, that this does not affect. So there's been discussion about potentially mandating it in schools, uh, 4K through 12 in public schools. This decision doesn't have any effect on that, but it could lay the groundwork uh, for right. a potential appeal of that type of thing. It also could finally force lawmakers to make a, a solid decision on what they want to do with this. Obviously, now people are starting to kind of forget about uh, COVID-19 in terms of the, the pandemic and what we lived through uh, between 2020 and 2021. Um, but a lot of sick people, hospitals still very much affected by the things that happened during the pandemic and then after the pandemic we're seeing that throughout this winter with the, the quote-unquote triple-demic um end of the day you know i saw some chatter that online that this may potentially help um some healthcare facilities hospitals and such restaff or, or get closer to full staff I, I don't think that's going to happen the folks who uh, the folks who left uh, healthcare because of the the vaccine mandate were largely close to retirement and they've retired they've left and they've found other other means of supporting themselves their families or you know simply moved on so um i don't think this is going to necessarily help that at all but it does you know continue to be a, a topic of discussion all right thanks josh as always remember you can sign up for our morning edition newsletter by clicking the link on our homepage or visiting fingerlakes1.com newsletter Coming up on the other side of this break, we'll have the latest on sports, and Kyle Evans is in the studio to t discuss that with us as well. Stay tuned. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. That's 80 years that DeSanto Propane has been servicing the community. DeSanto Propane is four generations strong as a trustworthy family-owned business, which is why everyone recommends DeSanto Propane. Choose DeSanto today and see why for 80 years, DeSanto Propane has been heating the community with unmatched customer service. Go online at DeSantoPropane.com or call toll-free 1-800-752-4000. 574 and like DeSanto Propane on Facebook for more tips and info today. DeSanto is celebrating 80 years and there's never been a better time to switch to propane to fuel your entire house. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, DeSanto. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years. Canandaigua Dentistry offers routine dental care, as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures from a highly trained, experienced staff. A proud supporter of local veteran organizations, Canandaigua Dentistry offers veteran and senior discounts, as well as an in-house dental membership program for people without insurance. Dr. Halstead and Canandaigua Dentistry is committed to providing you with personal, professional care. Whether you are searching for a family dentist or a cosmetic dentist, 
The Canandaigua Dentistry team promises to go the extra smile for you. Stop by the office located at 3240 Middle Cheshire Road in Canandaigua or call 585-394-5230 to talk with the team today. Visit www.canandaiguadentistry.com to learn more and find them on Facebook and Instagram too. Today's program is brought to you thanks to support from Cicino's Pizzeria and Restaurant. Live, laugh, and eat well. It's the Italian way. It's the Cicino's way. Auburn Auto Group. Experience the difference at auburnautogroup.com. Finger Lakes Partners. Insurance for your life, home, auto, and future. Get a free quote at fingerlakesinsurance.com. Little John and Barbie Orthodontics. Celebrating over 40 years. Visit them online at littlejohnortho.com. Upstate Fiber Networks. Fast and reliable fiber internet straight to your home. Check for availability in your area at upstatefibernetworks.com. Midday Miris and Ricky, your hometown personal injury attorneys. Get a free consultation at midaymirisricky.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Finger Lakes today. We are joined now by Kyle Evans, our sports director. Kyle, good morning. Glad to have you uh, back in studio today. Good morning. It's a little early for me, as you know, but uh, <laughs> I'm here. So before we, we jump into our Power Rangers discussion, which involves have producer Nate Sharman in on, uh, just a quick question. Your interview with head coach Dean Shot yesterday with the Lions, Lions boys basketball team. Yeah. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from that, in your opinion? Because you guys covered a lot of different ground in, in about 10 minutes. Yeah, I would say the biggest takeaway is probably that they're going to drop out of the Wayne County League and <clears throat> go play in an independent league. Um, I think that's that's big news. Uh, Wayne or uh, the Lions has dominated the Wayne County League for what three, four years now, mm-hmm. and uh, I think uh, going independent's a, b- a better move. Uh, sounds like they're still going to play each Wayne County team once. Um, I do like that too because it's as Dean said in the interview, it's tradition. Right. Um, and those Clyde games, you know. When they were good, they, those were really good. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest takeaway. But as you said, it was a really good interview, a lot of information in there. Um, obviously a confident group for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they just lost yesterday. Uh, that was well, a few days after the interview was right. recorded. But it was a great team, uh, or they have a great team, and uh, I think they're going to do big things. Yeah, we'll touch on that loss, obviously, in a couple moments down the line. But, I mean, yeah, you mentioned – I mean, the rivalry, like, example of Clyde, and, you know, obviously it's maybe not as good as it was, you know, like you mentioned, maybe a handful of years ago. Yeah. But, I mean, they still pack the gyms for that. And, you know, to me, maybe not necessarily the stuff on the court can be that good, but the atmosphere is still good, and it's still a, a good environment for kids and the community to kind of get around. So, uh, with that in mind, though, let's pivot and look at our power rankings. Obviously, this is something that we usually do on Upstate Hoops, but um, decided to bring it up to the big leagues, I guess, today in a way. Uh, Nate, if you don't mind pulling up uh, the boys' rankings. I was just going to ask if you wanted boys or girls. Yeah, yeah, boys, please. And, um, you know, you mentioned, right, Lions, Lions losing yesterday, but, you know, these are submitted on Sunday. Yep. Uh, but to me, they're still a number one. Um, and for the boys, there hasn't been a ton of movement, really, outside the first couple of weeks now that we've kind of got going with this. Um, so... You know, kind of looking at it for the Lions, kind of the team that we expected to be on top, right? But um, a couple other surprises scattered through the top ten. Yeah, uh, I thought Wayne jumped way up, um, but I did agree with that. Uh, Wayne's, I think they won six in a row. Mm-hmm. They've been playing really good basketball. Um, I know, I don't know if you guys agree with Wayne being that high, but um, I thought even last week they they should have been a little higher than they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say uh, Waterloo obviously is hanging around the top three still. I think that's that's agreeable on my part. Um, I th- I think Paul Max actually playing pretty well too. Um, I did I think I I moved them up a little bit too uh, this past week. Um, Red Creek is really impressive. I know they play in a in a rough Wayne County league, you know, aside from Lions, but they're winning their games. Uh, you know, they're they're winning the games that are on their schedule. And what are they ten and one now? Yeah, um, that's that's really good. I mean, ten of eleven win or eleven games. That's uh, hard to do for a program that was you know extinct a couple of years ago. Yeah, as well. And even Red Jacket, Red Jacket's been uh, impressive to me too. Um, I don't I don't have their exact record in front of me, but I know they've been winning games and they've been climbing up the power rankings a little bit. Right. Now we'll have a couple top five matchups later this week that we will be covering more on that though in a little bit. Uh, Nate, for you. You've kind of been banging the drum a little bit, I'd say, for the Finger Lakes West in a way this year uh, that I suppose 
some others have not. Uh, what's been your biggest takeaway from, say, maybe that league so far this year? Uh, from the Finger Lakes West, yeah, I think I think there's still some to be seen out of them. Um, I think with South Seneca, they could play a little bit better. They've been playing better too. So, but really, the biggest surprise out of me in, the, in this boys' rankings is well, something I had too in my rankings with Wayne beating Waterloo mm-hmm. uh, last week. Uh, you know, it was a pretty, I want to say, resounding. I know I wasn't there at the game, but just looking at the box score and looking at the score, I know they won by by double digits. So. That was something that was a little bit surprising to me. I thought Waterloo would play him a little closer, especially uh, in Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, Wayne's playing uh, probably, you know, the best, I, I, I would say the best brand of basketball out of all these teams right now, you know, as Kyle mentioned, on a winning streak and stuff like that. So uh, great to see the Eagles kind of surging. And um, they have a big one, uh, as you kind of previewed, they have a big one this week with Newark on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, the interesting part about Wayne is I, I think we kind of forget. They, they pretty much returned all their key pieces for the most part. Uh, outside of, say, Mason Blankenberg, but they replaced him with younger brother Cam. Yeah, who, and he's playing really who, well. Yeah, I mean, who got meaningful minutes second half of the year last year on varsity. And, I mean, been playing well might be a little bit of an understatement for the young fella. So. Yeah, I think he had a 30-point night uh, last week. Yeah, so, I mean, he's been really kind of, I th- I'd say, blending into the role that his brothers before him have kind of left and filled each other as they've kind of gone on in a funny way, actually. Um so Lions losing last night. Obviously, like I said, this we released the rankings Sunday. But to me, that that doesn't affect them. I, I, I feel like for me personally, Lions would probably have to lose like three in a row for them for me to realistically consider dropping them. Yep. I don't know if you guys have a similar mindset in that sense. Yeah, Moravia's what? Uh, fourth? They're also They're fifth, in the they were fifth, fifth in the state. So yeah. Lions is second. So yeah, yeah. I'd for me, the boys' top of the power rankings don't change. Right. Yeah, their first loss, Moravia's first loss, actually didn't come until Friday night. Right. Um, and then they bounced back with the win over Lions. But, yeah, I don't think Lions is dropping out of first uh, at all in, in this season, at least. I mean, even Wayne winning six in a row and, uh, what are they, nine and two on the year. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think they're a better team than Lions. If you if they played together, I don't think Wayne would beat them. If Wayne beats Newark on Wednesday night at Wayne, I think I'll have a a thought, you know, it'll 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 occur to me that you know maybe I do need to switch it up there, but um, we'll we'll have to see on Wednesday night. And the way Lions' schedule is set up, there's like no way for them to lose two or three in a row. Um, yeah, they might lose right. to Aquinas in February, but around that game, they have a lot of Wayne County games scheduled, and the, no Wayne County teams beating them. Even though Red Creek might put up a little fight the way they're playing, um, but they already did play uh, this right. this year, and I think they won by what thirty. Lions Something did like that, yeah. yeah. So. Just no team can compete with them in the Wayne County League. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, I I don't know if the thought necessary. I think it, I think it would have to be something like a fifty point pummel, <laughs> if for me anyway, personally speaking. But I just I don't see that realistically happening. So who knows? But uh, let's transition over to the girls' side of things, where there was a lot of movement this past yeah, week. I didn't agree with a lot of these. Um, Waterloo still obviously holding the top spot there but after that it's where it got a little bit chaotic and sideways as i'll call it um paul mack jumping to two mid lakes to three dundee bradford moves up from i believe it was eighth last week to four it's a lot of movement uh and what ended up being like i said ended up being maybe not quite as chaotic as the week prior but because of the matchups of who people play and ended up being a, a movable week for a lot of teams in the standings yeah, the one thing that jumps out to me is uh, I don't think Ananda's ranked seven. Uh, they beat a really good Byron Bergen team. Um, they beat Lions. I just think they should be moved up a little bit. Midlakes has played one game in the last ten days. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't see how they're the third best team right now. I think they're five and four on the year, five and five. Um, Minders, they shouldn't be eight, but they should definitely they should move up a little bit. But I mean, they have lost a couple games here. Um, obviously, we didn't know because we did our rankings before them, but they lost last night. Um, and then I would say East Rochester, I would put them further down. Um, if you look at their schedule, too, they've been losing some games, I think three of their last four, besides that they won yesterday. Um, but, yeah, I just I think Midlakes is really the one that stands out. They're not the third-best team right now. If you look at their schedule, they're just not. Paul Max really impressed opinion. me on Friday night all against Minders. Sorry to cut you off, Kyle. Um, I think they, they just looked really good. They were able to control the ball against Minders and, and really uh, kind of control the flow of that game. I thought it was really impressive. 
So I, that's why I think two is justified for them. Yeah, I did put Palmac mm. two as well. So I would agree with you, Nate. Um, and Clyde, I think Clyde's probably about where I, I put them. Um, but yeah, I, just a few of these teams I don't agree with, but obviously that's why we all have our opinions. And uh, I don't know. What do you think, Paul? So I don't have, a I, I think, a necessary problem off the bat with Midlakes at three in terms of oh, they've only played like a game in 10 days. It goes back to, I think, my stance I had on the boys' side of things a few weeks ago where I don't think a team should be punished if they've been idle, you know. Yeah, but even in the record when they have played, I mean, it's right. not it's not great. It's five and four, five and five. They had a, one or two big wins in there, but like they played some tough out of conference. What, well, what's what's tough here is, and to peel, I guess, the curtain back a little bit. There, there is quite the point drop off from two to three, in terms of number of votes casted for where and the way we, the way that we weight the the point average here, for voting, so. Maybe it's it, it's three on paper, but is it really three is the question at hand. And I think that's the beauty of it because we are officially halfway through the regular season now at this point with teams. So the, come, the, the second games of the year kind of start popping up, and I think we'll see a lot more movement this week as we kind of get going forward. You did bring up a good point here with, with I'd say, Wayne County in general, though, Kyle. Um Four teams in the top ten. Clyde and East Clyde Savannah, East Rochester tied at fifth, but then Gananda's at seven, Lions at nine. I'd I'd imagine we might see a little bit more shake up out of them this coming week, possibly. Yep. Um obviously Gananda got a big non league non league win last night. We'll touch on that in a minute. So um it's been a lot of fun kind of debating the power rings with you guys here on both upstate hoops and now I'd say here today on Vigor Lakes today. Yeah, um, and as I mentioned real quick uh, with Gananda, mm-hmm. uh, Byron Virgin was seven and two, and they beat them. Mm-hmm. Then they beat Lions, was, who was eight and two. I was gonna say, didn't Lions beat Byron Virgin yep, as well? Saturday. Yeah. So two two really good teams right there. Gananda beat them. They went into Lions and beat Lions. I think they went into. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, Byron Virgin mm-hmm. and beat them. So I think. That's a reason right there why they should not be seven. Those are really quality wins against two really good teams. I hear you. I agree. I agree with that. All right, let's pivot off to cover a couple more loose end sports topics here before uh, we head off to another break. Uh, Syracuse basketball in Miami last night uh, loses 82-78. to 78, uh, Blown second half 11-point lead at one point. Um, I know I watched all of it. I pained myself through it. Um, <sighs> Just it was a bad loss, and um, I I don't know how how you guys really feel about it, but I, I'm not on board with having outright blame on Judah Mintz. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's unwarranted. Was he a part in the loss? Certainly, I'm not going to sit here and deny that having five turnovers, four of which came really in crunch time. To be honest with you, is a um, is not a indication or indicator of how you lost or how you should have been. But the fact of the matter is, uh, to me, it came down a factor on defense again. And uh, to me, the guy who stuck out again like a sore thumb was Joe Girard, just lack of rotational defense. Yeah, I didn't see much of the game, but uh, I believe right they had a double-digit lead in that game. Yeah, they had an 11-point lead in the second half. Yeah, and it just kind of fell apart down the stretch. Um, Judah Mintz obviously was a one of the key reasons you know why they did lose that game but as you said it's a team game it's not just him there's other uh, areas and other spots late in that game that you know really changed the outcome but uh, yeah that's a that's a tough loss especially because uh, that game was you had so many chances to win and for those who do the analytics side of bracketology this would have been a, a grid or quadrant one win this would have been big in terms of getting the orange through to potentially getting on the bubble at this point to, to getting in. Now I think they're looking back inside the NIT, which it's whatever. A couple high school scores, and to note, Lions and Moravia met down at Cuke College on the boys' side. I already mentioned that a little bit. Moravia 53, Lions 50, J.C. Walker at 20. Was at the time Lions number two versus Moravia number five in the state for Class C. So a bit of a titanic matchup there. And then Gananda 49, Minders 39 on the girls' side of things. Uh, here in Central Falls, Eva Jenny had 11, and Haley Mosh had 9 for Minders. So a couple... Really pivotal games, I guess, a way to kind of gauge where teams possibly could be at moving forward. 
Yeah, and mind or, or uh, Ganon had to go on a 28 run to win that game last night. Uh, that was really impressive. Um, Ganon got off to a slow start, but you know they eventually settled in, and that second half was the difference maker. Um, but one thing I I noted on the stats, it seemed like a lot of the players were like. I thought somebody would at least have like 20. If you, you just read the stats, their leading score had 11. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like it was more of a balanced scoring attack. And that's I think that's what makes Gananda so good. They have the depth. I mean, so does Minders. Minders is a great team. But, um, yeah, there, there was no big score. They all scored. So that was my takeaway. Thanks so much for joining us, Kyle. It's always good to see you. Um, on the other side of the break, we're learning about an effort to bring free meals to kids in schools. We'll be right back. Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years. Canandaigua Dentistry offers routine dental care, as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures from a highly trained, experienced staff. A proud supporter of local veteran organizations, Canandaigua Dentistry offers veteran and senior discounts, as well as an in-house dental membership program for people without insurance. (laughs) Dr. Halstead and Canandaigua Dentistry is committed to providing you with personal, professional care. Whether you are searching for a family dentist or a cosmetic dentist, the Canandaigua Dentistry team promises to go the extra smile for you. Stop by the office located at 3240 Middle Cheshire Road in Canandaigua or call 585-394-5230 to talk with the team today. Visit www.canandaiguadentistry.com to learn more and find them on Facebook and Instagram too. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. That's 80 years that DeSanto Propane has been servicing the community. DeSanto Propane is four generations strong as a trustworthy family-owned business, which is why everyone recommends DeSanto Propane. Choose DeSanto today and see why for 80 years, DeSanto Propane has been heating the community with unmatched customer service. Go online at DeSantoPropane.com or call toll-free 1-800-752-4574 and like DeSanto Propane on Facebook for more tips and info today. DeSanto is celebrating 80 years and there's never been a better time to switch to propane to fuel your entire house. Oh, 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 DeSanto. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. Today's program is brought to you thanks to support from Chino's Pizzeria and Restaurant. Live, laugh, and eat well. It's the Italian way. It's the Chino's way. Auburn Auto Group. Experience the difference at auburnautogroup.com. Finger Lakes Partners. Insurance for your life, home, auto, and future. Get a free quote at fingerlakesinsurance.com. Little John and Barbie Orthodontics. Celebrating over 40 years. Visit them online at littlejohnortho.com. Upstate Fiber Networks. Fast and reliable fiber internet straight to your home. Check for availability in your area at upstatefibernetworks.com. Midday Miris and Ricky, your hometown personal injury attorneys. Get a free consultation at midaymirisricky.com. Five, four, three, two. Welcome back to Finger Lakes. Today, the big question, should schools offer free meals to all children? Child advocacy groups are working to implement a statewide policy that would establish free school meals for every student in New York State. Here's Jessica Pino Goodspeed with more. I'm the manager of school meal you know, policy and engagement with Hunger Solutions New York. Tell me a little bit about what that is and what your role is right. there. Yeah, so um, Hunger Solutions New York is a statewide anti-hunger organization. Um, we work to expand access and participation in the federal nutrition assistance programs. Um, those all include SNAP, WIC, school meals, after-school meals, summer meals. Um, but my job specifically is, through the last 10 years, has been working one-on-one with school districts to expand access to school meals. Um, so increasing participation, but also 
helping high poverty schools offer free meals for all kids. This role of manager of policy and engagement is really a shift since um, I started leading the coalition work for healthy school meals for all. So a big part of my role now is um, managing the coalition, the statewide coalition of over 150 different organizations working towards a statewide free school meal policy. So um, tell us a little bit about what you're working on now. Yeah, so um, my work right now is really, and over the last year, um, since the federal government allowed COVID waivers to expire at the end of last school year, um, we are working with a coalition of diverse organizations to implement a statewide policy that would establish free school meals for every student in New York State. Um, so we're working on this to get this done in the upcoming um, budget session. So we're hoping that we'll see this in the final state budget for 2024. So you're talking about free, because I'm trying to think back of Sometimes when I do these stories, I'm at a disadvantage because I, I don't have kids. Um, so sometimes I'm like, wait, what was it the way when I was in high school? So I'm wondering if I think when I was in high school, you had to bring money. You had to pay for lunch. Am I, you know, if you got a bagel, you had to pay for the bagel. If you got you. And so what you're trying to do is just change that completely and make it so that nobody is that what I'm am I understanding it correctly? Any school can operate the federal nutrition assistance programs. Um, these programs, any child can eat um, who attends a school that offers these programs. However, certain kids from certain from certain incomes can receive meals at no cost. Um, those meal those families need to submit an application, or in some circumstances, families are on other means tested programs like SNAP. Um, or public assistance. And so they're receiving free meals because of that status. The remaining kids do have to pay a meal um, in New York, excuse me, pay for that meal. In New York State, we, in I think it was 2018, the state eliminated the reduced price co-payment. So there is like this category where kids would have to pay um, a co-payment that's a lower price, but New York State already covers that cost for those re reduced price kids. So um, what you want to do is to change that through the budget. So so how do you, like, what are the logistics behind that? Like, that's probably a lot more complicated than it, than it seems to get something like that done, correct? So what the big piece of this policy is it builds on the existing federal program. So luckily, all this infrastructure already exists in schools where they're operating school meal programs. What we're asking for is an additional state supplement to make these programs whole. So that means that they're getting the same reimbursement regardless of what kid eats. Um, they're getting that cost back for each meal. Right now, under the current system, it depends on the status of that child. So it comes with a lot of administrative burden. So you're tracking kids by meal category, by their income. And this really simplifies the process of all kids can eat and schools then get all that reimbursement for each child that eats. I think it's the most simple way to explain it. So where do we, where do you stand now with this, with this change? So right now we're hopeful that this will be included in the executive budget for the governor where that's anticipated um, in early February, I think February 1st is the deadline for that. Um, so that's our first uh, benchmark that we're really hoping to reach. Um, we have had positive reception in the executive chamber, also within both the Senate and Assembly. This has been a very um, popular and warmly received policy. Um, the, what it comes down to is really the cost of whether they're going to make this work in the budget. Um, the cost for this program would be two, about $200 million in terms of re reoccurring costs each year to add that additional supplement so all kids can eat for free. Um, and in terms of what they're eating at schools, like, is there, are, what do we know? I mean, like I said, again, I don't know about what our school meals are today. I only know what they were, like, 20 years ago. So our school meals, have they changed or evolved in 
how healthy or nutrition builds they are or are they like the same as they were 20 years ago? So school meals that we had 20 years ago are not the same school meals that kids are receiving in schools today. Um, in 2010, the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act at the federal level really transformed nutrition guidelines for school meals. So just some basics, all school meals must meet certain nutrition guidelines in order for them to be eligible for, for reimbursement from the state and federal government. So these nutrition guidelines now have more fruits and vegetables, they prioritize whole grains, they limit sodium, um, they have some considerations with fat and flavored milk. Um, so really transformed the way that, you know, meals are served and what's on that, on that tray in the cafeteria. But beyond that, since those changes have put into place, there has been a, a ton of research around how school meals across all incomes um, are really the healthiest meals that kids receive during the day um, in terms of balanced nutrition. It's sometimes the only meal a, a child gets. Unfortunately, is that is that still something? So, still a yeah, thing? Abs absolutely. So, you know, we do. Luckily, there are income guidelines in place, and so our lowest income families are able to get access to free school meals. And we saw that the really the prior prioritization of that through the pandemic. Schools were hesitant to close at when the COVID-19 pandemic hit because of access to school meals. And that was really a central concern. And that's really what encouraged the federal government to deploy some waivers to allow them to offer meals and have families pick up those meals throughout the pandemic. So we saw really evidence that school meals were a critical lifeline um, for, for kids. And so I think what's important too is that it also misses out on a lot of families who are in that same situation. So income guidelines for a family to receive meals at no cost in New York, um, for a family of four, that's just about $51,000 a year. To be exact, $51,400 a year. If you make just a dollar over that, you're over the income limits in order to make, um, to be eligible for free school meals. And so what we're seeing now um, is really a disheartening situation where schools are needing to deny applications for just being sometimes even a few thousand dollars over that income limit. Those families are then accruing debt at school. So in New York, we also have some language and bill, um, a bill that makes sure that kids aren't discriminated against if they don't have in meal money for meals. Um, so schools Schools are required to make sure that they still are feeding those kids, but then what happens is there's school meal debt. And so that's really a huge concern this year. Um, prior to the pandemic, it was about $25 million a year across the state of school meal debt. So these are families that fall just above those income guidelines, um, but are unable to make ends meet. And we're hearing from districts that their school meal debt is really coming not from parents' negligence, but parents who are applying and trying to get this benefit, but are just above that. And, you know, when they're making choices between paying their mortgage and skyrocketing prices in the, in the grocery store and just cost of living being really difficult for families, um, this is really the conundrum that we're seeing now that we're back to this tiered payment system where some families are eligible and some families are not. What would happen if you, like, if this actually went through, would the, would the debt be relieved? Like, is there any talk about, you know, I mean, how much debt can you accrue at a school for lunches? Like, seriously, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm wondering that, number one, I'm wondering too, if they can, if they're going to forgive that debt. So that's a great question. So the bill that, the way that our proposal sits does not necessarily address that past debt. What's important to note though, and I think what is a common misunderstanding with school meal programs, is that a school meal program fund is a nonprofit fund within the school district, separate from all of its other um, buckets of money or general funds is how they say. So this program has to operate within its own margins. It needs to break even at the end of the year. Um, so any additional funds, which was the case for high poverty schools with free meals for all, did have excess funds and were able to in invest that back into their program. The majority of schools, though, that don't have free meals for all programs 
when they end up, up end up with debt at the end of the school year. And really there is no limit of debt of what a child can accrue. And so, but the problem is, and we are seeing one example that really stands out to me is a rural district around me. So I'm, I'm in uh, Saratoga County. And so this is in Washington County. Um, this district of about 850 students is on a projection of about $20,000 in school meal debt by the end of the year at the rate that they're accruing already this year. $20,000 in a small rural district is the equivalent of a teacher's aid salary. And so really what we're talking about here is that the, so I, I should back up a little. So at the end of the school year, that account that's independent of its own, the school district needs to take care of that if that's $20,000 over debt, for example. So that money needs to come out of the general fund in order to make that program whole each year. So really kind of that debt resets each year because of the nature of the nonprofit account. Um, but what we're talking about here is at the end of the school year, and what I've talked a lot about with different legislators is this second cliff that's coming. Right now, we saw this first cliff of families losing preschool meals and, and now facing accrued debt, getting phone calls from their school district. And it's proven, too, that families are less now, now less engaged with their administrators, less engaged at the school because they're getting calls about debt. And so that has a detrimental impact on the relationship between families and schools. And so what we're really asking with this policy is to end that, but also looking at kind of looking at what's coming at the end of the year when that account needs to be made whole, what are then the ripple effects that are going to happen at each local school district that's losing $20,000, $25,000 when they're already having limited resources? That funding should be going to an additional teacher's aid, Chromebooks and things that they need for education, but instead, you know, it'll have to come out through covering debt. Yeah, I think Sorry, I feel like I threw a lot at you. No, 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 <laughs> no. It's 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 interesting, and, and you know, conundrum is. I just think that it was a good word. It's it's a lot, and you just don't even. It's hard to think about a little baby, you know, not getting a meal. I think the thing that through this, so we're not alone in New York State. We are one of. I think it's nine different states that have active campaigns. California, Maine, and um, Colorado have passed this legislation. Massachusetts, Vermont have temporary legislation for this year and are working to make this permanent. Um, so we're not alone in, in terms of, of that. And um, I forgot actually my original point was. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was listening. I was locked in, so I'm not sure. Yeah, so, so you know, other states have done this to make this happen for their for their schools. Um, I had an original point to go back to. I think it was about debt. But um, no, un unfortunately, you know, a lot of times what we see is like GoFundMe is happening at the end of the school year, different things that, um, oh, that are taking place. And I think one of the things, this is what I was going to say, that has resonated with me most of kind of working with other advocates that are working on this in across the nation is thinking about this in, in the sense of a child accruing debt and means testing children in an institution where they're required to attend is just inherently broken. We don't mean to test our kids for school for any other service at school other than school meals. And so this is really a sea change of, of how school meals really has always been. Um, and we know for a fact that offering free meals for all kids is something that just works. Um, we saw it through the pandemic, but prior to the pandemic, there's been a, a federal uh, provision that allows high poverty schools to offer free meals for all. About 60% of schools in New York offer free meals through the community eligibility provision. So that's CEP. So if you may know districts maybe in your area that are already offering free meals, we know that all our large districts, New York City, um, uh, Yonkers, Albany, um, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, all those large city school districts are able to offer free school meals through the federal provisions because they have high enough poverties, high enough poverty in order to make that happen. What we're doing now is really looking at the rest of the state. There's about 2,000 additional schools 
And how do we really kind of close the gap, make this an equity issue, really? And no matter what zip code you attend, being able to have access to a basic need at an institution where you're required to attend just is a no-brainer. And we've heard time and time again, it is a no-brainer. Um, but it is a really critical investment, not only in schools, not only for families for economic relief, but we know that it supports student outcomes in terms of academics, in terms of behavior. Um, we know that it advances um, equity in terms of health. Um, so really just the benefits are limitless. Um, it's really just a matter of getting it done now in New York. All right, thanks Rebecca, excellent. Uh stuff as always what was your biggest takeaway after uh speaking with jessica um i think what she said about the poverty line being i, I believe she said for a family of four um if you make a dollar over fifty one thousand four hundred dollars to be exact i could be wrong but i think that's what she said um you, then you don't qualify so i mean if you think about raising a family of four on right. $52,000 a year. It's just not. No. Especially with the cost of living, right. the cost of rent, the cost of gas. The poverty line thing struck me because I started thinking about what it really is and how difficult things are for so many people right now just to like survive right. and put food on the table. So. Right. All right. Before we head out of here, though, quick, quick something to note. You had a big day yesterday, a first for you even you know i wasn't going to say anything but it was a very big day and if you really want me to talk about it have at I'll, it i'll the talk floor, about it the floor is yours thank you paul so i had i feel like i'm gonna get a lot of flack for this but okay you're fine i a couple of months ago said to someone it's gonna be the bills versus the giants at the super bowl now Mind you, I don't watch sports. I don't know anything about sports. I didn't even know if it was possible for the Bills to technically play the Giants. Mm -hmm. But then I learned that there were, what is it, divisions or something? Yep, conferences. 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 Oh, see? Yep. <laughs> don't know. But so I was like, but I feel like if it's possible, it's going to happen. Right. Cut two. There was a Giants game the other day. Mm -hmm. And I asked the question. I said, well, how are they doing? Oh, they're in the playoffs. I was like, they're in the playoffs. That means there's a chance that they're going to the Super Bowl. Right. So I'm feeling like I had, I don't want to say a premonition, but it kind of was. And I'm basically convinced that the Bills are going to play the Giants at the Super Bowl. Kyle Evans disagrees. I think Nate pretty much disagrees. Paul over here is the only person who's supportive. What did you say, Paul? Why not? It's about as good as, bad as you can make. Thank you. I mean, you have a one and four shot on each side of the ball. Yeah. I'll take my chances. Thank you. Yeah. But it was a big day because I've never bet on I don't think I've ever bought a lottery ticket. I've never placed a bet. I walked into Del Lago yesterday like a boss wearing my sunglasses. I'm like, this is great. Like, look at me. I'm so cool. Because <laughs> I've never done it before. So I got through. I had to pick up my sunglasses to get into the building right right because right? i guess for the camera yeah. you know um then i walked to the back the guy at DraftKings. i just gave him crisp 100 bill he told me the odds were 2800 and i said yep. well what does that mean he said if the bills and the giants go to the super bowl you will get 2900 back for your hundred because including the hundred dollars right. that you spent yep it was a big moment for me and i know sydney we were just kind of chatting about it within the company and Sydney was like don't rain on her parade it was a it was a big moment I mean what would you bet if you had I mean, to are we talking team wise here who's going to the Super Bowl is all I'm interested in I mean like I said it's good as bad as any I'd personally I'd probably go I might go the Bengals I mean Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow the but, Bengals yeah yeah okay Cincinnati I, Nasty call, Natty yeah as I call them you know the Bungles a lot of time okay I probably go them I don't know I picked San Fran at the start of the year so it's kind of hard to I guess wander too too far away right but it, look the fact of the matter is when you bet there's always you have to take the notion of risk perceived value who's got really at that point you know then you can go on the who's doing whatever on the field in the first place 
And uh, look, when you're in the playoffs and you have the momentum, it, it's hard to stop you anyway in the first place. So I, I, I think it's as good a bet as you could have made. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is support. Nate, I, I'm hesitant to loop you in because you kind of <laughs> tried to rain on my parade, but I will loop you in. Who, do you th- who would you bet on who's actually going to the Super Bowl? I didn't rain on your parade. I just warned you, Rebecca, that when, when gambling, always be prepared to lose the money that you have put up there. But going back to the Super Bowl, yeah, the 49ers for me in the NFC. And then, you know, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals could be any of those three teams. Of course, I'm being a Bills fan. Hope it's the Bills, of course. Um, but uh, there, Bills there Bengals is going to be an awesome game on Sunday. And uh, let's go Jaguars. Maybe they could take down the Chiefs. That'd be pretty cool, too. Why not? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say. I, I've never been excited about football, and I'm excited about it now. I think it's you guys. I think you're rubbing off on me. Excited. Ooh, that's a scary thing to say, yeah. Rebecca. It is scary. But you rub especially, off on me. There's so much passion in this especially, room about sports. Especially for my teams. So, like, I, I know we've discussed on here, like, I'm a season ticket holder for Syracuse football for college. And I'm a Washington fan on the pro side. And I, It's ugly for me. I don't know if you're getting it from me because if you got it from me, you'd be rooting for a lot of depressing things. I would. I would be setting myself for, <laughs> yeah. up for a loss, wouldn't I? <laughs> very much so. All right, guys. Well, thank you for indulging me. This, like I said, it was a very big day yeah. for me. I was bragging about it for a very long time, and now I got to brag about yeah. it to you. So thank you. Um, that is going to do it for this edition of Finger Lakes Today. We will be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And remember, download the FingerLakesOne.com app because we give you breaking news alerts. We have weather, sports, all kinds of lifestyle things on there. Download the fingerone.com app and you can also get our podcast on Spotify, which is very exciting. I was listening to it the other day. Um, Thank you so much for joining us and I hope everybody has a great day here in the Finger. Finger.